0: My job as the pastor of this church is not to overflow you with biblical knowledge. That's the problem with the church today. We have a lot of people who have a lot of their perceived knowledge, but zero action with that knowledge. I'm not really interested if you can quote every verse in the Bible, if you can name the books of the Bible frontwards and backwards. I'm not really concerned with whether or not you can break down all the imagery in the book of Revelation. I'm concerned that you're taking the practicality of the Bible and you're applying it to your everyday life. Because make no mistake about it, here's the deal, I don't care if you're an atheist today. This book has the guidelines on how to live a life of meaning. It has the guidelines on how to live a life of purpose. It has the guidelines on how to live a life of fulfillment. And so my job is to teach those principles, and then what you do with those principles is between you and God. We're in a series called Recession Road, and we're talking about the fact that I don't think it takes a brain surgeon to realize that we as a country are in a recession. There's a lot of debate on how long the recession's going to last. Some people say a long time. Some people say a short time. Regardless, any time we hear the R word, people get tense. People were already living paycheck to paycheck in our society. And as I shared with you last week, I read that disposable goods are at $500 more a month for the average family in America. So you add $500 more dollars. Onto already a paycheck to paycheck mentality, and people get tense. Rent is higher than it's ever been. Gas is high. The cost of living is high. Food is high. Who's been to the grocery store lately? Food is high. Someone told me before I came here who was said, Man, we dropped four hundred dollars in groceries this week and it's already gone. Welcome to the day and time that we live in. The problem, though, is as the recession sets in, it really just magnifies our already horrendous concepts of managing money. If we would learn the biblical ways to manage our money... If we would learn how God has laid out and make no mistake about it today for everybody whose girlfriend drug them to church and you have stereotypes and preconceived notions about church and the church all they're interested in is in your money, is here's the deal, we're not interested in your money, but God talks a lot about your money. Jesus, 15% of his teaching was about money because Christ knew that our God would be money. The thing that we would stress over the most would be our money. The things that would cause us the most anxiety would be our money. The purpose of this series, and let me make this very clear, is not to get your money. The purpose of this series is to teach you how to tell your money where to go instead of your money telling you where it goes. It's about taking control of your finances. The reality is, and I've said this every week of the series, and we'll say it again next week most people do not have a money issue. They have a spending issue. We simply spend more than we make. And then we wonder why we stress over money. We're busy buying stuff we don't need to impress people that we don't like. It's amazing. So far in the series, the opening week of the series, we talked about the proper understanding of money. And we simply said this money is not evil. The church has led us to believe, because the church swings to extremes, there's a mindset in the church that money is evil. Money is not good, money is not bad, money is neutral, money is a tool. What you do with your money determines the outcome of your money. When we learn to manage our money, it gives us freedom to live. So many of us right now are living with a poverty mindset. We're living with a mindset of being broke. You say, well, I'm not enslaved to my money, but you are enslaved to your money, and I'm going to show you in a little bit. We opened that series in Matthew 25, and we talked about the master, and he gave three bags. Jesus told a story about a master, and he gave three bags of gold to three different people. One, he gave one bag of gold. One, he gave five bags of gold. One, he gave ten bags of gold. When he came back to get the money, the guy who had ten bags turned it into 20 bags. The guy who had five bags turned it into ten bags. The one who had one bag buried it for fear of the master and made no money, and the master got mad with him. He wasn't a good steward of his money. The key, the moral of that story is simply this. It doesn't matter how much money you are given. It matters what you do with the money that you're given. That's the beautiful thing. Last week, we talked about giving and everybody got real tense. Someone said, I don't have a lot to give. You're missing out. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. That's the beautiful thing of the tithe. Everybody doesn't give the same. Everyone sacrifices the same. And when you sacrifice the same, God blesses you with more M and M's than you know what to do with. Say, what do you mean? I don't know. Go watch the sermon from last week. The problem for us when it comes to managing our money is so many of us simply don't know where to start. We've buried ourselves into a hole. I've been there. So, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm 46 years old. At 34 years old, I went bankrupt. I lost everything I had at 33. I tried to manage it as long as I could. So I I don't want to sit up here on a stage acting like I had it all together in this area. I would like to tell you that at 34 when I went bankrupt, I learned my lesson when it came to managing your money. My wife would tell you who I met 10 years ago that was simply not the truth. Christine and I became a couple. She asked about finances, and I said, well, that's just up here in my head. I think I got about this much money in the bank. She goes, how do you know? I keep up with it. She said, well, do you mind if I balance that out? I said, okay. So then I brought her this box full of money that I didn't have in the bank. I said, I think this goes in there too. She said, it'll probably take me about an hour. So I began to watch TV, and the episode went off, and I began to watch the next episode, and the next episode, and the next episode about 3 o'clock tomorrow, I said, you figured that out yet? She said, no. She said, you have no control over your money. I said, yeah, but I've got about this amount of money in the bank. I know. She said, you don't have half of that amount of money in the bank. We bury ourselves into holes. And when we sometimes get so deep in the hole, we don't know how to get out of the hole. And we also had this mistake that something that took us 10 years to get into, we're going to get out in 10 days. And so we get discouraged about it. And when we have no plan, we don't begin to work the plan. And we get deeper and deeper and deeper in. Or we have a plan. We work the plan. The plan doesn't go as quickly as we think the plan ought to go and we get frustrated because we are a short-sighted society. We're a microwave society. We're so used to putting everything in the microwave, click a couple of buttons, and it wanting to fix. Sometimes the mistakes that you got into are going to take you, and do not miss this because there is nothing in your life. There's some things as a couple you can do individually. You cannot become financially free on your own unless you're single. If you're in a relationship, it is going to take both of you being on the same page. It is going to take both of you having a plan and realizing we want to live the life that God intended for us to live, and therefore we're going to do what we need to do to get our finances in control. If it means we have to pull back and live a certain way for a short time, to quote Dave Ramsey, we're going to live like no one else, where one day we can live like no one else. And do not mistake what I'm saying This is not a message on how to get rich. It is a message on how to control your finances where you're not enslaved to your finances. This is a concept that so many of us don't understand nowadays because it is so contrary to what society teaches about our finances. We're used to what normal is. And normal just simply isn't working anymore. Normal's being broke. Normal is seeing the R word and beginning to get stressed. Normal is knowing that if something was to happen to us and we were to miss one paycheck, we wouldn't be able to live the life that we live anymore. Normal is 80% of college graduates having over $35,000
1: in student loan debt. That's normal. Before you ever set out in the real world, you have debt.
0: Yeah, but it gets you a better job. Did you know the average college graduate starts a job making $38,000 a year? So you start with $35,000 in debt to make $38,000 a year. Take that song and dance somewhere else. Normal is $17,000 in credit card debt. On average, $17,000 In credit card debt, and you couldn't even tell you what it went to. Oh, that's right. It went to the Disney trip two years ago. Man, that was a great memory. And I'm glad it was a great memory because you're still paying for it today. 70%. Oh, by the way, all these stats were before the current administration. I'm not saying that even to be political. I'm saying times have changed. I imagine if they were to go back and do it again, they'd be different. 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Normal is buying a car and financing it and within six months being upside down in said car. Normal, and you wonder why we have a a problem with our finances. Normal, the average American, the average American spends 114% Of what they make in a year. No wonder you're in debt. You're spending more than you make. To buy things you don't need. To impress all your friends on social media. That 14% gets made up in debt. Small loans, credit card payments. Normal. It's funny how I never thought about this, and now that I'm 46, I think about it a lot. I've hit that age where I can see the light at the end of the
1: tunnel. I'm 46. I got eight more years, and all the kids are out of the house. The light is at the end of the tunnel. The
0: goal is attainable. And for the first time ever, I think a lot about what retirement looks like one day. But normal is most Americans not being able to retire because they haven't managed their money right. Instead of learning how to manage their money, they've depended on their company to set up their retirement. How's that 401k working today?
1: Screw normal. You be normal. I want to be weird.
0: I'm sick and tired of watching people that I know have great potential and God wants to do great things to, yet they can't do them simply because they can't afford to do them. The Bible says this in Proverbs 22, 7, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's a powerful verse.
1: The rich rule over the poor. That's just reality. And the borrower is slave to the lender.
0: That word slave in the original language is literally translated servant. It means to be in bondage to something. Let me make this as clear as I can to you, man. And listen, you young couples, I fit the age where I can say that as a preacher. It makes me feel so old. You young couples, listen to me. If you don't listen to anything this old redneck preacher ever says, if you let it go in one ear and out the other week after week after week, I get it. But I'm telling you, listen to this series. If I knew then what I knew now, man, my life would be... I'm not complaining about my life, but it'd be so different. People tell me, I mean, you need to slow down. All I have no choice but to continue to hustle because I got to make up for years of bad financial management to get my family in a position where we can be. We're debt free now, except for a car payment, a house payment. It's a great feeling, but guess what? We still got debt. We got car payments. I want them gone. Well, everybody's going to have a car payment. Maybe
1: you are. I'm not. That's the goal. I don't want to be in debt. I'm tired of sending money
0: away that I could be keeping to use to do what I feel like God's called me to do. To borrow a slave to the lender. Now, most people aren't going to go around and say, man, Gary's right, I'm a slave to money, I'm a slave to debt. I get it. They don't do that, but what they do is they'll say different things like this.
1: Man, I'd love to do such and such. I don't have the money, I can't do it. You know why you can't do it? Because you're a slave to the bar. I'd love to have a different job.
0: But man, I can't, I can't afford to do it.
1: I hear young couple all the time, we'd love to have more children. Just can't afford it. Would love
0: to get married, which I never understood that, like getting married so expensive. Would love to get married, but we can't afford to do it. I'm not picking on anyone today, but I had three people today already say to me, going on vacation tomorrow must be nice. Wish I could go on vacation. Here's the deal. I don't know anything about those three people's finances, but here's the deal.
1: You can go on vacation if you're not slave to the lender. Not a lot of amens on that because the truth hurts sometimes.
0: We're in debt up to our eyeballs and we don't know what to do. And the reality is I don't have any more time or any more desire to teach you that debt is killing you because the reality is, is you know it. If you think being in debt's okay, okay, you can tune out the rest of the message. I don't have time to argue with ignorance because the reality is you know it's killing you. You know you're miserable in life and you keep doing what you've been doing and wondering why you keep getting what you've been getting. Simply don't know how to manage your finances. But what I want to do today is I want to talk to those people today that are saying we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Because this Bible has a lot to say about how to manage our money. You can literally listen to me. I can't emphasize this, and I'm going to say it over and over and over. I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to this. You can change your life getting your finances in order. And by the way, it's not too late. Christine and I have been together nine years. Nine years really isn't that long you'd be shocked where we were financially nine years ago compared to where we are today. The problem is, so many people don't want to look nine years out. But here's the deal. It took us nine years to get here, but it didn't take us nine years to get our finances in order. It took us about nine months.
1: It took us nine months to get control and start to learn how to manage stuff took us about nine months of a new couple
0: coming together and kids and child support payments and exes and all the crazy, stupid stuff that you have when you're younger. But it took us being intentional during those months. So today's message is very simply for those who have said, man, I want to get my finances in order. And if your finances are in order, awesome, I hope this is a great reminder to you. Because one thing I've learned about finances, it's kind of like your physical health. You look in the mirror and you're like, man, I need to get myself in order. How many of you have lost weight before? Only to gain that weight back. You knew what to do to lose the weight, but you quit doing it. And we do that with our finances all the time. We begin to work the plan, the plan's working, and then we get comfortable or we get tired or we think we deserve it. Treat ourselves. And we get off course. I want you to remember today if you're one of the people that are finally fed up with your finances, or maybe you're young and your finances aren't out of control yet, I want to show you how to keep them in control. Remember this you didn't get in debt overnight, you aren't going to get out of debt overnight. Change your mindset. Here's the deal if it takes you five years to get your finances in order, who cares? I'm 46. If I was starting today and it took me five years, I would be 51. I figure with technology, the way it is, I'm going to live to be about 137. So if I can get my finances in order at 51, I got a long time to live financially free. Realistically, the average American male lives to 75 years old. So if I can make it to 51, it takes me five years to get my finances over. You don't think that the last 24 years of my life I'm going to live it up? You don't think I'm going to walk around the beach with a Gucci thong on that I paid cash
1: for? Shh, please. I'll bust my butt
0: for five years to be able to live financially free for the last 24. Because here's the great
1: part about that. The last 24 The kids are gone. Suffer while they're there. Boot them out and spoil the grandkids.
0: You just don't want it bad enough. You'd rather stay miserable. You'd rather continue to grind. You'd rather continue to live paycheck to paycheck Instead of making the necessary changes that need to happen to get your finding, can I tell you today that getting your finding? People tell me all the time, all the time. Man, I wish I could do what you do and just step out and do this or step out. You know why I can do that? It's not because I'm talented. It's not because I have some great skill. It's because financially I'm in a place that I have the freedom to step out and do those things. That's the only difference. I
1: couldn't do it. Let me let you in on a little secret, make you feel better about your debt. You sitting down? Okay. When I went bankrupt 11 years ago, 13 years ago,
0: 34, I'm um, 46, 12 years ago. Ready? Ready? I'll make you feel way
1: better about yourself. You ready? Fifty-seven thousand dollars in credit card debt. Fifty-seven thousand. Almost seventy thousand dollars in car debt.
0: I had financed the furniture
1: that we sat on in our living room. How stupid is that? It's stupid. You say, well, I've done that. Then you're stupid. I love you. I can still love you and say you're stupid.
0: I told you the other day, I went to buy a t-shirt from a company, $25 t-shirt, and I went to check out online. And it wanted to know if I wanted to finance the shirt in four easy payments.
1: I was like, what? I was so intrigued. And the sad thing is this. They offer that option because people do it.
0: <laughs> How do we get our finances in order? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to embrace the value of self-control. They say in AA, the first thing they do is admit you have a problem. My name is Gary Lamb, and I have no self-control. None. None. I do what I want to do when I want something. I buy what I want to buy. I, I'm horrible at it. I'm really bad about it if I have cash. I'll never forget the first time Christine went out of town. We'd been married. She goes out of town. We'd been together about six. Might be one of our first fights. She, comes to me, she goes, how much money do you need while I'm going out of town? I'm a grown-ass adult. I don't need an allowance while you go out of town. She had baggage from her past and asked, and we had a big fight about it. Here's what she didn't realize. Here's why I didn't need an allowance. Had she given me $200 cash, I spend spending $200 cash. Instead, while she was gone for about four days, I think I spent $8. I think I went and ate Mexican food one time. Literally spent $8. Because I'm weird. I don't like to swipe the card, the debit card, but you give me cash, I'm spending that cash. I got a $100 bill in my wallet right now that I keep at all times just in case there's an emergency. But here's what I know. I can never break that $100 bill unless I want to spend that whole $100 bill.
1: Because once it's broke,
0: it's amazing. I don't have a lot of self-control. But I've learned if I want to be able to live the life God has had for me, I've got to have self-control in order to start getting out of debt. Listen, this is so groundbreaking, it's going to blow your mind. I like to get the, you're going to be shot. Listen, listen, listen. In order to get out of debt, you've got to stop spending. Bible says in Proverbs 20, here's the great thing, the Bible backs it up. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. Like a city's whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Back in those days, they would build walls around a city, and that was the protection for the city. And when the walls came down, there was no protection for the city. The enemy could attack from any way.
1: Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. You've opened yourself up to attack.
0: You've opened up yourself to the enemy coming in. We're like little kids.
1: We want what we want. And we want it now. Women do this
0: normally. I'm stereotyping here. But women do this a lot with nickel and diming. Men are more likely to do this with big splurges. I'm not a nickel and dimer, but I'll show up with the $80,000 truck one day. And forget to tell Christine that I did it. It was an accident. Christine will just slowly show up with a Target bag every
1: day. Every day. Single day. We have a ring doorbell. Anybody
0: have a ring doorbell? I took the ring doorbell app off my phone after the second day. We had it. Because if I saw Amazon come to my front door one more time, I was going to jump off a cliff. The value of self control. It's just so easy now not to have self control. Buy now, boom, you click it, you ain't even got it in your credit card number on Amazon, it's easy.
1: Swipe the card, I don't see it. Spend the cash. We have no self-control. We want what we want and we want it now.
0: I was listening to a podcast recently and I heard a guy ask this, say this question, he said this. He said, the biggest thing in meeting your goals is to ask yourself this question with every action. He said, is this helping me or hurting me in meeting my goals? If our goal is to get out of debt, then we need to ask ourselves some things. If the goal is to get out of debt, we need to ask ourselves every time we decide to go out to eat, is this helping me or hurting me? Is there anything wrong with going out to eat? No, there's not. But maybe you eliminate that for the short time while you're trying to get out of debt. Do you need those new nails? Of course you do. But do you want to get out of debt worse? Is there anything wrong with new nails? No, I love when my wife gets new nails. It's my favorite thing in the world. Love it. When she doesn't go get new when she decides she was going to take a break from it, I get irritated about it. I like it. One of the first things that drew me to my wife. I can tell you exactly what her nails look like the first day I met her. But you don't need new nails if you still owe a credit card company. Do I really need to golf twice a week? Is there anything wrong with golfing? No. But would you rather golf or would you rather get out of debt? Would you rather be able to go golf anytime you wanted to go golf because you have no debt instead of robbing Peter to pay Paul? Let me go ahead and tell you something. If you're going to play golf and you're having to think about where you can cut back later on this week to be able to pay for your golf, you don't need to be going to play golf. Do you really? I know I'm treading lightly here. I'm sorry. Do you really need that $5 cups of Starbucks? I know, ladies. I know, I know, I know. And again, hear me out. There's nothing wrong with those
1: things. when you can afford those things. Well, I can afford it. No, you can't. You're in debt.
0: I recently had a customer come to me. They owed me $1,100. People go through hard times. You'll probably find nobody more sympathetic to me than someone going through hard times. This person used to always pay me right off the bat. Been about two weeks. I said, hey, man, did you get that invoice? I did, man. I'm in a bad place. Can you give me a couple of weeks? Absolutely had no problem giving that person a couple of weeks until I saw the person on vacation. Then I saw the person going out to eat. Then I saw the person at the Georgia game. Now, the reality is I know nothing about those situations and maybe they're just so blessed they got to go to all those things for free and it cost them nothing. I really have no clue. But here's the deal. They owed me money. They didn't have the money to go out to eat. They owed me money. They were slave to me. Person owned a restaurant, I called him and said, I'm going to eat your restaurant, and I will not be paying, and it will not get deducted from the invoice. Okay. You know why I had to say okay? Because he was a slave
1: to me. He owed me money. See, that's a little arrogant. He owed me money. See, when you owe someone money, and
0: you want to get debt free, you don't go out and spend like crazy. Do you really need that new car? I want a new truck so bad. I know I talk about it all the time. I lust over it. I dream about it. I justified. I said, man, we're opening a distillery. What if I wrapped this truck? And I, I even had the graphic designer make me a wrap. I haven't even showed it to anybody. I was like, that looked good, and I could justify it then. But you know the reality is, I had a great truck. It's got like 50,000 miles on it. Looks pretty decent. It turns on when I crank it. And when I mash the little AC button, the cold air blows out. It's got a little lift on it, so it's got a little redneck to it. I like it. And the reality is, I tell you, it's only a $1,500. i have never pulled anything with that truck in my life, so why do I need anything bigger? Overcompensating for other areas, let's just be honest.
1: I don't need a new truck. I want a new truck. And guess what? It's okay to want
0: a new truck. And it's okay to buy the new truck you want when you don't owe anybody. I still owe on that truck. Now, I could write a
1: check today and pay it off.
0: Oh, maybe I'll do that and then I can justify getting a new one.
1: No, I'm just kidding.
0: It's not helping me reach my goals. My goals are this. I want to retire one day. My goal is this. I've worked for myself my entire life. And because I worked for myself my entire life and wasn't good with money, I have zero 0401K. I have no retirement. The only investment I have ever made in my life, I invested in crypto, which has lost 70% of its investment since I invested in it. I didn't invest a lot. I want to be able to retire one day. So do I want to drive around in that new truck or do I want to be able to retire one day and sit out of my Gucci thong on the beach? I want to sit down on my Gucci thong on the beach. I know this one's hard, but like, like, I had a buddy of mine the other day, he said, man, money's tight, but man, I'm saving up, I need a new gun. I get it, man, guns are great. But I asked the guy, I said, how many guns you got now? Probably about 35. I said, how many guns you need? Like, I get into a big enough battle where I'm needing 35 guns by myself, chances are real good I ain't winning that battle. Because they're coming at me from every side. And the reality is I know people that own lots of guns, and I got a plan. Into the world, I'm creating Lambville, and I'm bringing all the gun owners in, and, I, and we're going to be good.
1: I get it, man. Guns, great. I, I'm a gun guy. But only got two hands. There's nothing wrong with guns. But, but there is when I'm paying for the finance couch I have.
0: Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Do not miss what I'm saying today. But what I'm saying is we're going to sacrifice and we're going to embrace the value of self-control temporarily. Where the day comes, I can spend the money for whatever I want because I have it. Learn to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life. You young people, man, imagine if you embrace this in your 20s. Holy smokes, you would change your life. We're going to embrace the value of not only self-control, we're going to embrace the value of self-sacrifice. We're going to embrace the value of sacrifice. Sacrifice is a theme that is found throughout the Bible. Actually, to be honest with you, sacrifice is the theme of Christianity. It is what it is. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him has endured the cross, scorning his shame and set down the right hand of the throne of God. He made the sacrifice. Christ made the brutal sacrifice for us. Here's what sacrifice is. Let me give you a definition of it. It's giving up something you love for something
1: you love even more. It's giving up something you love for something you love even more.
0: You might love wasting your life watching cable television, but for the first time ever, you want to be debt-free at Christmas this year. So you're going to cut the cable where you can sacrifice for Christmas. You're tired of Christmas coming along and you're still paying for it in May. So you're going to make some sacrifices now where you can benefit later. You may want a bigger house, but maybe more you want to stay home and raise your kids. So you sacrifice a dream for a bigger house in order to stay home and raise the kids. You may want a bigger house, but you maybe want to put your kids in private school. You can't do both. So you sacrifice the bigger house and to build a Ford. My wife and I did this for years. We lived two blocks from here. You pull it out of the neighborhood, two blocks, in
1: the ghetto of Canton. Bought the house for nothing. House had no heat, had no air conditioning when we bought it. it had one bathroom, one shower. It had
0: floors caving in. Literally, when you walked on them. Had zero lights in the house. We didn't know that till we bought it and tried to turn on the lights, and there were no lights. You say you didn't notice it, you just don't think about it. Never occurred to us that there were no lights up in the ceiling. We were sharp. But we sacrificed in that house for five years. And slowly but surely, we remodeled that house for five years. And we sold that house for a whole lot more money than we bought that house. And we were able to put that money down on that house and the house that we live in now, that is a very nice house. We sacrificed. Christine was tired of working a nine-to-five job, and so we made sure that our bills allowed that. She wanted to be home with our kids. And then we sacrificed again. Christine took another job for a year and was basically gone, nonstop on the road for a year. And we made those sacrifices where we could be in a position See, sometimes you've got to make some sacrifices. At that time, we only had one car payment for a long time because I only had to drive two blocks. I even justified and bought a bicycle and thought, man, I'll ride a bike to work every day. From there to here, it was downhill. I rode it to work one time and called Christine to pick me up on the way. home. I said, I'm not riding this bike back up that hill. It's horrible. And then the bike sat down here for like eight months. Then she made me sell it.
1: <laughs> we sacrificed. We went out on vacation a couple of years
0: because there were certain things that we wanted to live and there were certain ways we wanted to live. I'm dealing with this with my son right now. My son's off in college and, he's, and money's tight and he's talking about getting a job. But I like my alone time. I get it but instead of just sitting in your dorm alone, go get a job during this time and start putting money back where you can be in a better position after you graduate. So the, the day, he said, I think about renting a house, I said, you should rent a house. Rent the biggest house you can and rent all the other rooms out where you don't have to pay rent. What? I said, do it. Sacrifice. I just don't want to live with people. I said, who cares? It's college. It's not about your enjoyment. That's what you think it is. You think it's about your enjoyment. It's about setting yourself up for the future. You may love... Going to lunch every day and getting a seven or eight dollar sandwich, a dollar fifty drink, and ten bucks is blown out the window before you know it. Or you might enjoy more never having a car payment again because you didn't do that, and you saved that money and bought a car. I read one article this week it said, you know approximately how much money you save over a lifetime working if you brown bag it. Just three days a week instead of five. Three. Over the lifetime. Listen to this. Check it out. Check it, out, check it, out. it says you'll save on average of $112,000.
1: I need a lot of bologna sandwiches for $112,000. Now, everybody doesn't have to do that. But when you're trying to get out of debt, you do that. You make the Sacrifices.
0: I just don't like that. Okay, Then keep being in debt. How's it working for you? You're the same people that got tense last week when I talked about giving because you know you can't afford to give. Scratch that, back that up. You think you can't afford to give. Hence why you're in the financial situation you're in. The reality is this. Let me hurt your feelings for a minute. Those of you that are upset and arguing with me in your mind right now, your plan's not working. You're broke asses if that hurts your feelings, I don't care. You're broke. You're grown adults living paycheck to paycheck because you don't have the discipline or the testicular fortitude. That's nuts if you live up in Pickens County. You don't have the nuts to step up and make the sacrifices that are made to get your finances in order. And if you're the man and you're not willing to do that for your family, no wonder your wife doesn't look at you as the leader. Bunch of grown men still living in mama's basement playing video games all day. And we wonder why we're in the shape that we're in. Society wants you in debt. Listen, the government, I hate to be this guy,
1: they want you in debt. They love it. The credit card companies love that you're a prisoner. Imagine the freedom you could have. Man. Man.
0: Now, those of you who carry a credit card balance, they say the average credit card balance is $17,517. How? Well, it's it's real easy. One vacation to Disney World. A couple of months of having to pay the bills because money was tight. A couple of months of buying groceries. Assume a monthly payment around that is $217.93. That's about 18% interest rate. That's normal. If you simply pay the minimum payment... Of $217, which is what the large majority of people in debt pay every month at 18%. How many years do you think it'd take to pay it off? Five?
1: How many say it'd take five years to pay it off? Forty. Forty years. You know how much you'd pay back on
0: that seventeen grand after 40 years? $104,606.40. Hope Disney was fun, baby.
1: 'Cause you paid for it. You paid that debt off.
0: Took that two hundred and seventeen dollars and you begin to invest it. Some kind of investment. I'm not an expert in investing. We're gonna talk about investing next week because the Bible talks about investing. Once you get out of debt, you're gonna have money. How do you invest your money? Let's say you took that money and you got a 12% return over 40 years, same money, $217 a month. In that 40 years, you'd have $1,350,820.94. Man, it's amazing. You got to sacrifice, though. You got to sacrifice. I don't know what you're in debt for today. I'm not bashing you for being in debt. I've been there. I'm telling you, make the decision today to get out of debt. You say not today, so you can say yes to forever. So we're going to embrace the value of sacrifice. Gary, this sounds great. How do we do it? You got to have a plan. We're going to value, we're going to embrace the value of planning. Here's the deal. and This is where it gets real Practical. And and, and these sermons are weird to me. They're almost so practical sometimes I don't feel like I should be teaching them, but they're needed to be taught. Because I know it's going to change one or two people's lives. God, I wish you understood the freedom that comes with being financially free.
1: We're going to value, we're going to embrace the value of planning. Keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what
0: you've been doing. Been getting. So you've got to plan. You've got to put a plan in action. Then you've got to work the plan. And if it's the right plan, the plan will work. Look what the Bible says. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? you got to sit down and plan. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. You can wander into debt. You cannot wander out of debt. It doesn't just happen. My plan is to win the lottery. You know what's sad about that? If you won the lottery, you'd still be in debt. Because you'd just spend more money. Because you don't know how to manage your money. It's the reason athletes go broke all the time. I don't understand how they went broke. Sure you do. I bought a $500,000 home. They bought a $5 million
1: home. Same principle. Bad financial spending is bad financial spending. And who, why do you think if you had $5 million,
0: you suddenly would know how to manage your money? You don't know how to manage $100,000. Never
1: understood that logic. I just need a little more. No, you just need to spend a little less. So we're going to have a plan. It's not a glamorous plan, but we're going to have a plan. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to create a budget. I'm going
0: to go ahead and let you know my wife and I do not do a good job at this. Every time I preach this... It's a a reminder to me that we need to get back on this. Because I don't want to beat you up. I'll tell you, we don't do a great job of this. We're pretty good financially right now. We could be so much better if we learn to create a budget. Create a budget. List every expense you have. Here's what I want you to do. Your first job for the next 30 days. For the next 30 days, get you a little notebook, get you a little steno pad, and you write down everything you spend. You stop and get a pack of gum, write it down. Write it down. For 30 days, record every expense. If I had more time to go into a detailed explanation of this, I would, well, but I don't. You get it. Just write everything down. You're going to be shocked at the end of 30 days how much money you spent on certain things. My taco budget is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't want to do this. But it's eye-opening. Some of the best advice I can give you is go to your app store on your phone. Download the every dollar app, the every dollar app from Dave Ramsey. Financial peace is great. If you see financial peace being done in a church and you've never taken it, sign up for it. Someone said, Why don't we offer it here? We're just not doing that right now. Too much going on. But it's a great thing. Go take that. Write down everything. Put it in that app. Write down your bills, write down everything. Once you know your budget, guess what you can know? How much you can spend. You can't spend more than what your budget is. You're also going to be very aware of how much you spend you didn't know about. It hit me the other day. As I'm flipping through my Roku, finding nothing to watch. I'm almost bolsterous. So we don't pay for cable. <laughs> but damn, I pay for the Disney app and the ESPN app, and the Hulu app, and the Netflix app, and the Amazon Prime app, and the Discovery Plus app, and the HBO Max app, because i got to have HBO because she wants to watch Friends. They get you these apps, man. Everybody want to get rid of cable where you can pick and choose. I'm almost scared to add it all up because I think it'd be more than what cable is. A lot of apps. I don't even know the last time we logged in to the Hulu app Couldn't even tell you what's on Hulu. I love the Discovery Plus app. I watch all the shows about big trucks, and it makes me want to have big trucks more. I love the ESPN app. I'm trying to justify that I need YouTube Live where I can watch NFL football because Luke's into it, but I know Christine would literally stab me in my sleep, and so we haven't done that yet. Paramount Plus app. God, we have a lot of apps.
1: Have so many apps that we don't even know. I'm convinced I'm not positive.
0: Christine's gonna kill me when she hears this. That we actually have two Hulu apps and two different emails. I just had that realization the other day. So I'm trying to cancel one of them before she finds out. I don't know how that happened. But you gotta create a budget. You gotta know where your money's going. That's the problem. How can you manage your money when you don't know where your money's going? You're clueless. Now it's even more because everything, it was somewhat easy when it was everything was cash. Now you can't even pay a lot of things in cash. So easy to swipe it. And now you can put your phone up to the thing and it's gone. Oh, that was painless. That didn't hurt as bad. It didn't hurt as bad as turning over the cash. I didn't really spend any money to scam my phone. Create a budget. Second thing we're going to do. Don't miss this because remember we're, we're planning because the Bible says the plans of the diligent lead to profit. You're going to create an emergency fund. You're going to create an emergency fund. You're never going to get out of debt if you don't have an emergency fund because here's the problem: emergencies happen. So you start working the plan and the plan's working and boom, the washer breaks. Boom. You have a flat tire. And you haven't planned for that. But imagine if you had an emergency fund off to the side. Here, I feel like we're just being real simple today. So simple. And sadly, most of us aren't doing it. You had an emergency fund. You take the money out of the emergency fund. You pay for it. Then what do I do here? Well, then we replace the emergency fund. $1,000. Where am I going to get $1,000? You've got $1,000 laying around your house and stuff you don't use that you could sell. I know that hurts your feelings. You've got $1,000 around your house and stuff you don't need. Put it on Facebook Marketplace. Sell it. Create an OnlyFans page. Do whatever you need to do. Get $1,000. Cover up your face. I don't want to know it's you. Not that I'm on OnlyFans. Let me clarify that. That Pastor G Onlyfans, it's not me, I promise. Just because the guy wears a sleeve over his tattoo, on his leg, he's not covering up a tattoo or anything, I promise. It's not me. I don't care what you
1: got to do. Go work a side job to get $1,000. Do whatever it takes to get $1,000. Nothing.
0: I'll be honest with you. Most of you would have $1,000 by the end of the week. You could. Because, again, you got stuff laying around your house you don't use. It's going to give you the freedom to follow your plan, knowing that when emergencies happen. Lynn, you have any car emergencies lately? Sucked, didn't it? Had an emergency fund, though, didn't you? Didn't suck as bad, did it? Right. Imagine how that
1: happens. I remember we used to have emergencies and no emergency fund. We had to get a new
0: washer the other day. My wife is so freaking cheap that for five months our washer has been off balance. And when you wash the clothes, it feels like the entire upstairs is going to cave in. All the dogs start barking. I'm like, go get a washer. I don't want to spend the money. It got so bad she started washing clothes when I wasn't home where I didn't have to hear it. I said, go buy a washer. She went and bought a washer. You know what was so nice? We had the money to go buy a washer. I'd have to swipe a credit card. I'd have to finance it. I saw on the piece of paper I could finance it for $27 a month. $27 a month, that's nice. Throw that in with all the apps. I'd have to. We had an emergency fund. Create an emergency fund. Begin to work that emergency fund. Build it up. If you spend $325 out of the emergency fund... You stop with your plan, you keep working it, and you build it right back up. Literally, realistically, Dave Ramsey says it's taking you no more than nine days. I call BS on that. It should take you no more than 30 days. Seriously. You should be able to raise $1,000 in 30 days. Because, it's, again, it's laying around your house. You just don't realize it. All that stuff you don't use. I had someone tell me this week they spend four. dollars $100 a month in storage sheds. I said, man, that's crazy. And when's the last time you went to Oh, it's been about a year and a half. Then you don't need the stuff. Man. Now, here is what's going to happen. It means you get rid of it, you're going to need it. And then lastly, we're going to put the debt snowball into action. Here's what the debt snowball is. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to list every debt you have. Highest to lowest highest to lowest. And then you're going to start paying the minimum payments on all of them, but you're going to take all the extra money you have every month and apply it to the smallest. So let's say the smallest one is $27 a month because you financed a washer. You have 100 extra dollars, you put $100 to that bill. You got 500 extra dollars one month, you put it towards that bill. You get your tax return, you don't get ghetto rich all of a sudden. You put it towards that lowest bill. Once you paid that lowest bill off, now you take that payment, the $27, and you add it to the next lowest payment. So let's say the next lowest payment's $100. Now you're going to pay $127 a month on that. Okay? And then anything extra, you're going to pay bam, 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 all the way up until all the debt's paid off. You're just going to keep doing it. Keep doing it over and over and over. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 5, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter like a burr from the snare of the fowler. Free yourself. That's what you're doing. If right now you're looking at your debt and you say, man, it takes you 120 months to pay off your debt, that's 10 years for all your debts paid off, assuming you don't take any more, you begin the snowball effect. Let's say you do the snowball effect and the smallest goes to the next and then those two go to the third and the th- those three go to the fourth. What's going to happen is, on average, that 10 years will get paid off in 21 months. 21 months. At the end of the month, let's say at, all, at the end of it all, let's say you were paying a total of 1100 You take that at 8% interest for the next 99 months, which would have been the 120 but you got 99 months and you invested that. And in that time, it says you'll have one hundred fifty three thousand nine hundred ninety two dollars, so you can keep paying the debt forever. Or you can make money. It's not hard to get out of debt. It's got to work the plan. Got to be disciplined. Listen, not a groundbreaking sermon today, but a game changing sermon. I flew through a lot of stuff in the Dave Ramsey class. They'll take you that over ten weeks, but I needed to get you to you those three things. You need to get out of debt. If you get out of debt, you won't worry. Be worried about recession road. Young couples, get out of debt.
1: Money makes the world go around, so control your money. I feel like I've, I've
0: overloaded you with stuff today, but I, go back and listen to this sermon again. Like, it's that vital. Get out of debt. Create a budget. 30 days. Write down all the money. Some of you would be surprised how much you spend every month for that Smoking habit. Some of you will be surprised how much you spend on lottery tickets. Some of you are going to be shocked at how much you spend at Starbucks. Some of you are going to be shocked at how much
1: you spend in rain energy drinks. <laughs> Create a budget. You've got to know where your money is going. Create an emergency
0: fund. List that debt and start knocking it out. I'm telling you, to be debt free
1: is the greatest feeling in the world. It's amazing. We're not quite there, but we're so close you can taste it. It's awesome, it's liberating,
0: it's freedom. I don't know about y'all, but contrary to popular belief, I don't want to work the rest of my life. And if I am working the rest of my life, I want to work where I want to work, doing what I want to do. Not getting up to go to a job that I hate to make money that I'm going to spend on things I don't need. Who has the most toys at the end does not
1: win. They're still dead. He who has the freedom to do whatever they want is amazing. A buddy of mine
0: recently has been getting his finances in order. And he called me the other day, and I kind of laughed to myself at first, then I had to check my own ego. He said, Man, took the wife's car in for an oil change. She needed new two new tires. She needed this, this, and this done. He's like, you know how good it felt just to say, go ahead and do it. I've got the money. And I want to, yeah, of course. Duh. And I thought, wait, no. I remember when I was there. <laughs> I remember the first time that they told me you need X, Y, and Z. And I didn't immediately have the stress and the anxiety that gripped me. Because I could afford to pay it. I got so excited for him. Because you know what? Who <laughs> This is a crazy question for a pastor. How many of you ever done drugs in your past? In your past, I'm not talking about now. Uh, Y'all, a bunch of damn liars. I've done some drugs in my life. Listen, being able to financially support your family without stressing is the greatest drug I've ever had in my life. It's amazing. It's the ultimate high. So no, I'm not gripped with fear instantly to death. And I'm going to put this on some of you men. I, call me chauvinistic. Call me whatever you want to call me. I believe men are called to be the leaders of home. I did not say the dictators, the leaders. Some of you men need to start leading your family financially. You need to start getting your finances in order where your family can live without the fear of recession road. And it starts by getting out of debt. Gary, what do we do when we're out of debt? That's when your money starts working for you. And we're going to talk about that next week. I'm new to that stage.
1: And it's a pretty good drug, too. It's pretty liberating. It's pretty exciting. Say, man...
0: I need to go buy that and I can afford to go buy it. I need to invest in this and I can do that. I've been dealing with this, I've been starting this MMA thing, and I mean, it's, a, it's very sanctioned with the state of Georgia. And a lot of things I wasn't familiar with. I got to have this and this and this and my right toe, and I got to give my firstborn child and all this weird stuff I never heard of. So I'm calling David now. So I'm saying, man, you ever dealt with this? You ever dealt? Yeah, I deal with that all the time. Call this person, call that person. And every phone call I made was, this is how much it cost. And this is how much it's going to cost. I mean, this costs this much money. You know how nice it was to go to my wife and say, hey, I'm fixing to start this thing, and here's how much it's going to cost. Cool with that? She said, I'm cool with that. And every time they said, this is going to cost this much, I was like, okay, give me write a right check, or can I pay for it over the phone? Because here's what you realize. The way I've got it by my calculations, I'm going to make tenfold what I just invested in less than a year. My money's going to make me money. Five years ago, I wouldn't have had
1: the money to do that to make the money. It's an awesome feeling. Must be nice. It is. But if I can do it, You can do it. I grew up with parents who
0: taught me nothing about how to manage their money. I grew up with parents, and I love my parents, and if they're watching this, I'm not trying to. My parents, for the last eight years, lived in a camper after my dad worked his whole life because they were so poor with money. My parents have finally been able to put a modular home on a piece of land because my sister bought some land they could put it on. My dad had the philosophy, oh, there's still checks in the checkbook, write them.
1: We had a lot of fun growing up because of that. But it came back to bite him eventually. So what I'm saying is, I learn these principles later. And if
0: my redneck self can learn them, I put this on Facebook. I graduated 137 out of 144 people in my high school. I ain't... Sharpest knife in the drawer.
1: But God laid out easy principles. You can do it too. And change your life in the process. Let's pray.